Second Peter, and uh, we're still in chapter one, and we're still trying to remember what we know. Uh, we've been uh, looking at this for a number of, of weeks. So, of course, last week we uh, skipped uh, this study and had our candlelight service, but uh, I want to pick up again in Second Peter chapter one and uh, be reminded uh, that uh, the second letter of, of Peter, uh, basic verse that really unlocks the chapter is the 12th verse where Peter says, Wherefore I would, will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. So remember these things. Uh, well, what were the these things? A number of times he uses that phrase, and thus far we've looked at uh, the reality of our salvation, and we won't go uh, through that entirely again, but uh, the reality of our salvation was the first thing that we uh, looked at. And then secondly, the riches uh, of our salvation, many blessings that we have because of being saved, and uh, we're very uh, spiritually wealthy uh, because of what God has provided for us. Uh, the responsibility of our salvation, we've looked at that. And uh, in particular, where it says there that we're to add to our faith uh, and uh, uh a number of things that uh, in verse 5 says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things, if these things be in you, and uh, so the responsibility is to be diligent to add these things. And then we looked at the reward uh, of our salvation. It says there in verse 8, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the reward. That brings us to the last point of this particular aspect of our study, remembering what you know, and that is the rest, the rest of your salvation. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, finish this uh, remembering what you know with this point here, and I hope uh, we can understand what uh, we're talking about there. Peter says, when there's no fruit, uh, you're not taking up your responsibility because you've forgotten your riches, because you're not thankful for the reality of your salvation, and so you forfeit the rest. Now, uh, that word rest can be used in a couple of different ways. Uh, you know, eat the rest of your food is one way. You know, eat, uh, you know, clean your plate. Uh, or rest, like we're doing now, we're sitting and resting. Okay? Or like you do when you go to bed at night, you rest. Uh, that's the. I think that's the idea of the rest, the confidence, the uh, security 
the assurance that we have uh, in our salvation. And that's what we're talking about when we use the word rest. Not the rest of something or that which remains, but rest, peace, confidence, security. And when there's no fruit in your life and you're barren and fruitless, no one will know you're saved. Not even yourself sometimes. You might, you might wonder, am I even saved? I'm, I'm not doing much for the Lord, if anything. You know, many people have doubts about their salvation. Uh, many times when people get saved at a young age, they have doubts. They say, what, did I really get saved when I, uh, when I was very young? Now, you can have doubts even if you are saved as an adult, but many times this is characteristic of those who are saved as children. Uh, some may have asked the Lord into their heart hundreds of times, and I've even dealt with people and said, you know, we've talked about salvation. Oh, I've, I've asked the Lord uh, to save me many, many, many times. Um, but uh, every time uh, they thought, well, they did something wrong, and uh, they wonder if he's still there. Now, it's always interesting that it's, it's connected with something they did. Someone might ask, and maybe you've been asked by maybe one of your children, how do you know Jesus stays in your heart? Well, it may be very likely that they're reflecting upon something they did that was wrong, and they knew that it violated the standard as they understood it from the teaching they had received, and they wondered whether the Lord would stay. Well, he will stay. If you truly... Uh, trust Christ as your Savior, uh, you can have confidence, you can have assurance. And uh, the question is, uh, but the question is, uh, you will lose the sense of that confidence. Why is that? Well, because confidence and security is a gift of God uh, given to those who are obedient. Now, notice, first of all, the confidence of salvation. Confidence of salvation. Have you ever had that problem? Ever wondered whether or you're really saved? Have you struggled with that? Have you been fearful that you might die and you might miss heaven? Well, why do you do that? Well, let's look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he... Is, was purged of his old sins. It says here, um, but he that lacketh these things. Now what things is he talking about? What things? That's that phrase again. There, These things. Now, it's all those virtues and it's that fruit. And if it isn't there, you lack these things and then you're blind. Well, uh, he says, you're blind. Now that's the main verb there in verse 9. Uh, the fruit isn't there. He's blind. What is he blind to? Well, he has forgotten. And there's a con that concept again, forgotten. Remember, we're remembering things that we know. He was purged or cleansed from his old sins. In other words, he's forgotten that he's been saved. 
In other words, he's filled with doubt. And when he looks at his life and he sees barrenness and fruitlessness, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, you might say. So he has doubt, he has fear, he has anxiety. And no doubt there are those, and perhaps even someone here tonight, who would say, that's my life. I've got into sin as a Christian, and I forgot that I was saved, and, and the anxiety and the fear of hell so severe in my life that I wound up uh, uh, thinking I needed to be in a mental institution. I mean, I was insane because of that anxiety. Well, maybe it's not been that far for you or for someone here, but uh, I say that only when one has put into practice the commitment to be obedient to the Word of God, no matter what the cost, you can have rest and you can have confidence that you know Christ. And then you'll see Christ, God, work in your life and you'll know that you're saved. As long as you're faithful, you can have confidence. And what a testimony. But if you're not, and the fruit isn't there, the principles aren't there, then you'll be blind and you'll not remember that you've been cleansed. Now what is this blindness? What is this blindness? Now, there's a modifying participle here in verse 9. Is blind. And the meaning is, it's the kind of blindness that cannot see afar off. Nearsightedness. Now, I've got a picture of a teacher in front of a chalkboard. And that's my experience. Second grade. I could not see the chalkboard. I couldn't see what she was writing. Now, this wasn't my teacher. Uh, We weren't studying uh, advanced mathematics. But uh, the fact that one side is blurry and one side is very clear, some people could see the very clear. I could see blurriness. I was nearsighted. And so ever since the second grade, I've had glasses. And the first thing I reach for in the morning has been my glasses for all these years. Now, my sight's better than it used to be, but uh, uh, it's uh, since I've had lens transplants and and, uh, taken care of the cataracts, uh, but uh, I had this blindness, this nearsightedness. And uh, so I've lived with uh, that kind of thing most of my life. But uh, here we're talking about a myopia. Myopia. I looked that up in a dictionary because uh, I wasn't really familiar with that word until I began to chase it around. And I looked it in the dictionary and it says, Myopia is due to focusing parallel rays immediately in front of the retina. You understand that, right? You all got that? Uh, in other words, nearsighted people focus, uh, you know, right here. And those rays cross, and further out they go, the worse it gets, and you can't get the distance in focus. And so people are nearsighted. They focus on things that are are close, and they can't see what things are far off. But here, uh, Peter is talking about spiritual myopia. You know what happens to a person who has no fruit? who has no virtue and no knowledge and self-control and so uh, so forth that's been added to his faith, they go blind. 
because his perspective is not where it should be. And he never gets past a certain point. He's looking at the earth. He's looking at earthly things. He's looking at the, uh, the, the lights and the, uh, uh, all the things that are going on. The, you could call them the, uh, uh, the bangles and the beads of society, the passing fads, the fancies, and the fashions of the time. He's caught up in stuff of this world, and his view never gets past that. And by the time he tries to look into eternity, the whole thing is so out of focus, he can't perceive anything. He has spiritual myopia. And that's what Peter's talking about. The believer is blind, and he has, has to be a believer here. He's got to be one who has a deep knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a, a believer sometimes... We have to be careful that we, we don't get to the place where we cannot see eternity. We've got to have eternity in view, even as we live here on this earth. And this kind of a person loses an eternal perspective, and they focus only things on earth. Now, send, sometimes people spend all their time dabbling around with money and material things and cars and clothes and houses and fashions, and all of that, and that's all they ever think about, think about. And the passing fads. You know what happens? When they look up and try to see eternity, it's utterly out of focus. You cannot see it. Because they have, all their focus has been on the things of earth. There's no fruit there. They've lost their ability to see. And uh, there goes their confidence. There goes their security. There goes their rest. And in place comes doubt and fear. And by the way, the same terms of this blindness are used in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, uh, where it speaks of an unbeliever. You know what? A Christian who is barren is just like as blind as an unbeliever in the realities of God. Uh, what a statement. You ignore the eternal perspective and you just kind of stare in there long enough and you look up someday and it'll be so out of focus you won't be able to see it because you need to be fruitful and not barren. You need to add to your faith. Be diligent. Don't be blind. That leads us to the diligence of salvation here. Verse 10. In verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren... Give diligence. Now, it's interesting. He uses this idea of giving diligence again. He used it back in verse 5. Now he says it again. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Now, Peter calls to remember. He says, wherefore, the rather, means instead of. Instead of focusing on just the things around you very close and on this earth. Instead of that, instead of this blindness, instead of having forgotten that you've been cleansed in past time from sin, brethren, give diligence. Same phrase that was over in verse 5. And he's taking you right back to give diligence to add to your faith. Why? 
to make your your calling and election sure. A firm or certain, a word used of deep roots. What do you mean, make your calling and election sure? He's uh, now that's not talking to God. You see, God's very sure about who he has saved, isn't he? I, I think I'll trust God uh, to know who's saved and who's not. Because uh, didn't he uh, write our names in the Lamb's Book of Life? So he's got a record of it. God's not the issue here. It's us. And if we give diligence to adding these things to our life and our calling and election, we'll be sure. We'll have confidence. We'll have assurance. And there's that phrase again. If you do these things. What are the these things? The things that are listed here. It says you'll never fall. Now that's not fall from salvation. Uh, that you cannot lose. But it's a fall from confidence. We can... We can become uh, doubtful. So we need to be diligent and make our calling and election firm. I tell you, nothing is worse than to fear hell and to fear that you're not saved. On the other hand, if you don't know if you're saved because you're blind, because you've not added to your faith, but you've sinned, and in your sin and disobedience you've forgotten that you've been redeemed, then you're going to live in fear. So rather, brethren, back to verse 10, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. How? If you do these things. See, it's very practical, isn't it? You just do these things. And then we come to the abundance of salvation. And the result is verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, watch this. Even a barren Christian or a Christian who goes through times of fruitlessness is going to enter into the kingdom. But, what is the key word here? The key word is abundantly. In other words, when you are fruitful your entrance will be abundantly into the kingdom. And that's a wonderful thought. The text puts it in the right order. For so richly will, you be, will be supplied to you the entrance into the king, eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now all Christians are going to enter the kingdom. But some of us are going to enter and all our works are going to be burned up, right? Remember that passage? Being saved so as by fire. You know, just kind of sliding in. Now we're going in. But we're just kind of sliding in. But you know, some will go with rich rewards because their works have been gold, silver, precious stones. And wouldn't you want to enter the kingdom with abundance, with fullness? Wouldn't you want to enter the kingdom with richness, And it may be that there's been sin in your life. Perhaps your sin has become, uh, your life has become dried up. There's no righteousness. There's no fruit. 
You, you're, you've lost your security. Now, you haven't lost your salvation, but you've lost your security and your, your confidence. You live in fear and anxiety. That's not what God intended. He intended for us to know the rest, the peace, the confidence of salvation, and uh, the confidence that in the future we'll enter into the kingdom in abundance. And so Peter is calling us to remember, and no wonder when there's so much to remember. I trust you haven't forgotten your salvation. I trust you, you're uh, thankful. Have you forgotten the riches of it? What is yours? And what about the responsibility? Are you fulfilling it? What about the result, the fruit? And do you have the rest, that rest, the confidence? Now, you're here, you're listening, uh, and uh, you've never really known these truths. You've never been established in them. Perhaps there's been a point in time when you accepted God's free gift of salvation, and you don't really know anything about the reality, the riches, the responsibility, and the reward or the rest of salvation. I trust that even as you meditate upon this passage of Scripture, and perhaps uh, you need to get with someone and uh, pray with them and uh, ask them to pray for you and begin to know the reality, the riches, the responsibility, the reward, and the rest of your salvation. And today would be a great day to get that settled in your heart. It's a wonderful passage. And I trust it's, it'll be a blessing to us as we continue to think about these things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Second uh, Peter. So many wonderful truths here that uh, we need to meditate on and to think about. It's so easy to get out of focus and get our, our eyes on this world and the things of this world and even good things, maybe our jobs or our families or, or something that uh, is just kind of uh, occupying all of our time and we've lost focus of eternity. We're not living with eternity in view. And so, Lord, we pray that these few verses will encourage our hearts to be diligent and add to our faith and be diligent to uh, make sure of our salvation. And we pray, Lord, that we'll have the right focus. We won't be nearsighted, short-sighted concerning these truths. We pray in Jesus' name. All right, then.